Abolition. Abolition. I am an abolitionist. I glory in the name. Though now my slavery minions hiss and covered o'er with shame. It is a spell of light and power, the watchword of the The heart you beat with, and they tore down 
desert in my bare feet With no food or water With nowhere to sleep Abolition, abolition, You just heard a Max mix I am an abolitionist And that was followed by What More Can They Do by Laura Isabor Peace and welcome to Abolition Today, a weekly syndicated online radio program with a specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and by for-profit prisons worldwide. We air live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archive podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org. Abolition Today is also available on all major podcast platforms and is simulcast on the Block Talk radio network let me say that again simulcast on the black talk radio network i'm fired up my name is yusuf hassan i'm joined as always by my co-host max parthas peace max yo man i'm just still vibing off that track and uh here live from the paul cuffy abolitionist center in something south Carolina. there it is you know, that track had me ready to spit some hot bars, man. But anyway, let's get into it. So last week we were joined by two guests. First, we had the pleasure of welcoming the Honorable Shay Franco Clausen, who besides all her other accomplishments, she is one of the lead organizers behind California's bill to end involuntary servitude, the ACA3. Then we were joined by Jihad Abdul-Mumit who is the national chairperson for the Jericho Movement, and he sits on the board of the Abolitionist Law Center. He was a formerly uh, domestic political prisoner who served 23 years of his life in prison for his involvement in the Black Liberation Movement. And according to my mother, Max, that was our best show since she's been listening to the program. She's a tough critic, so that's what she says. Then anyone who missed that broadcast should definitely catch that on our archives. So... Getting into this week, we're going to focus on just one day. You know, a lot of stuff went on this week, but just this one day, you know, uh, October 20th, 2021, State Representative Diane Hart, uh, the Ordinary People's Society, that's called TOPS, the Southeastern Region uh, Friends, and Pastor Kenny Sharpton Glasgow held a press conference in Florida's capital announcing the introduction of joint resolutions to amend the state constitution and introduce anti-slavery legislation. Florida will be joining the Abolish Slavery National Network as the ninth state to introduce uh, the ninth state to introduce such legislation since 2020. So to date, four states have abolished sla- constitutional slavery without exception and 21 additional states are organizing to get similar legislation introduced. Finally, a joint resolution to introduce a new federal amendment to counter the pro-slavery language of the 13th Amendment is gaining bipartisan support in the House and the Senate. We'll also uh, have our ancestors catch us up on the latest news in Slave Catcher Chronicles and the slavery of... uh, Abolition movement, I'm sorry. We'll catch you up on the latest news in the slavery, Slave Catcher Chronicles and the Slavery Abolition Movement. We'll have some powerful poetry, dope music, and the words of our ancestors brought to life. So before we start, Max, you told us already what you thought about the opening track. You can add some more if you want to, but also give us a little bit about your your uh, past week. 
Man, uh, back to that track though. That's you know that's pure Max Parsons. I take eighteen hundred. <laughs> I am an abolitionist. Make it funky. Listen. And then super powerful. Give yourself an applause, man. Give yourself an applause. That is banned in the United States. <laughs> like, you can't even get that. Right. Uh, uh, Laura Isabor is an Irish uh, African uh, award winning musician. Her music's been all over TV, movies, and stuff like that. And that is one song mm-hmm. of hers that you ain't going to find on YouTube or anywhere else. So, we started That's off by awesome. breaking it off. <laughs> there you go. Right. There and, it is. Uh, we're, 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 we're right on schedule. We're right on schedule, um, indeed. And Florida, uh, what they did this past past few days ago on the 20th, that is powerful. We're really going to get into that deeply as well as share some other news. As far as the past week is concerned, as always, you know, we be doing a damn thing. I got some good news. We were approved for a grant to get uh, the equipment we need to start Ooh. producing video and audio on a top-quality level. Ooh. That's big. That's big. That's big. That's Yeah, that, that, that That's is huge. Big. So in the coming months, we're going to start popping out some content, and you're going to be like, damn, what? <laughs> you know? We're going to tear your kingdom down. Yo, when yeah. he was talking in the intro about the list of states that are involved that have legislation that are organizing, <laughs> that's the song I was thinking about because that's exactly what we're doing, right? Tearing it down. Um, and yeah, it educating, is. And educating and inspiring. But here we do a lot of educating uh, and inspiring, too. And speaking of that, this Tuesday, I'll be teaching a high school class in Ohio. Um, I do that often, every year. Right. It's a high school class in Ohio that I teach out there. Uh, and uh, it's mostly all white kids, <laughs> which is, you know, it is what it is, but they need to know too. Because whether we like it or not, those are our next generation of leaders Congress people, senators, doctors, lawyers, right. all of that. So it is, they need it is to know. It's so needed because, yeah, because I have an article that I'll introduce later on in the show to see why what you're doing there is just so important so important you know uh i forgot to mention you know i I love i love the banner that you made for this week and i love the way you titled it dear usa so it's a letter dear usa because f slavery i have to uh censor myself because my mom is listening (laughs) because (laughs) f slavery that's why signed florida legislators no slavery no exceptions Exactly. So well done, Max. Well done. Yep. Because you know that's slavery, a that's why. that that f slavery is you know something. That I think you have a t-shirt and everything with that, and you know it's just great seeing that it actually made it into the title of one of our uh, broadcasts. Uh, definitely. Yeah, we do have shirts with that on it. It's uh, the unofficial model for the ASNN. We can't possibly make it the official model, but all of the crew has T-shirts. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, because that's slavery. That's why. I mean, if anybody asks you why you do what you do, that's why. Uh, under any right. circumstance, no exception. So you know, absolutely. Our our year here at Abolition Today has been. Like, truly epic, man. <laughs> like, 
the people we've had on, the discussions, the topics that we've covered, the actual uh, accomplishments that have been achieved collectively with us directly involved in it. We've testified across the country at Senate and right. congressional hearings. We've provided contact, content and information on the abolitionist movement present. Right. And we captured a lot of it in music and poetry, like a lot of it, you know? So yeah. it, it, it's been pretty epic, man. And you read the Riot Act in the beginning. Nine states with legislation for 2022. You thought we was bad when we did Colorado. And you thought we was better when we got Utah and Nebraska. We got nine coming right. up next year. Next <laughs> and next year is only a couple it's, months It's going to be away. amazing. Yep, and for all of those who are still out there saying, well, slavery is over, well, if slavery is over, we wouldn't see these moving, these moves being made. We wouldn't we see wouldn't press conferences being held in legislation saying we're ending slavery in our Constitution. We're removing it. Right. If slavery usually, ended, there'd be no need to do that. And it's usually preceded by we didn't know it was in there, <laughs> you know? But, hey, that's <laughs> what we're here for, <laughs> to let you know it's in there. Uh, and it's legal, and not only is it in there, which is a violation of international treaties and agreements, just having an exception to slavery in your constitution, but it's also in practice contrary to popular Exactly. Reason. You know, literally, exactly. there's a reason why we have the largest prison population to have ever existed on planet Earth right now in the United States. There's a reason why we have so many black men who are behind bars more than the top five African nations have combined in their prisons. There's a reason for all of that. And it's not because right. uh, we suddenly became super criminal. <laughs> this is the right. strategy. Criminalize, push them into poverty so they're desperate, hook them on drugs, deny them education, and then watch where they end up. All you got to do is set the right. system up and it, and it plays itself out. Hell, we even help it happen. Listen to some of these music stations. You know what I mean? We out there. Like recently, they had this super group from the West Coast come out. You know, uh, E40, Snoop Dogg, Ice Cube. Uh, who else is one more person on there? Oh, and Too Short, right? And mm-hmm. these guys are like my age. They're upwards of 60 years old still talking about cooking crack and calling women bitches and whores. And, you know, talking about AKs and how they're going to spray this. It's, man, you ain't spraying nobody. You need to stop and act your age. What the hell? You know? And right. people are thinking out about, you know, how this is such, it's like the Mount Rushmore. But does anybody pay attention to content anymore? I mean, that was okay when you was 20. It's not okay when you're 60. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not okay when you're 60. But, you know, we be talking uh, things that go against the grain because we, we have superpowers here. We have common sense. We have a sense of, uh, sensibility of reasoning. And we use things like logic. <laughs> Those are superpowers. Right. right. Superpowers in today's t- today's times. Amen. Well, so, uh, I, I see there's a lot of people on the board. If you want to chime in during tonight's program, remember to press the number one on your keypad, okay? Uh, we, of course, won't be bringing people in during the clips, but while we're discussing after and between, feel free to just go ahead and press one. The call-in number is 515-605-9814. We've only got this show and one more left for the season, 
and then we're the end of season two is done. <laughs> you know, we put in two right. full years of this and just blew it away. And we're gonna come back bigger, better, and six inches longer on season three. They don't know, man. We starting to move towards radio and stuff like that. We're building, uh, you know, uh, we're building uh, places where we can do our broadcasting from studios. We can do broadcasting from professionally, putting everything down the way it should be. It's gonna take us a little while, and we knew that from the beginning. But we're moving forward and growing fast. And we appreciate everybody has been supporting us all along this trek because this last year has been epic. Uh, I just can't imagine it being duplicated by anyone ever again. You know what I mean? Right, right. All right. So let's go ahead and get into what happened, right? On the Mm -hmm. 20th of October, uh, Florida State Representative Diane Hart, uh, she introduced House. Joint Resolution 39 and Senate Joint Resolution 39-2, uh, which is a bill very much like New Jersey and Texas that will insert anti-slavery language abolishing slavery from that state without exception. Uh, it's, it's, it's a powerful statement, man, to make publicly like that with those legislators right there. And uh, they've made some powerful, powerful uh, statements and comments about the issue. So we're going to listen to it in its entirety, but we're going to break it up, of course, into some parts with and add a little bit of music. Um, so unless we got no number ones pressed, with the, anybody with their hands up, you want to get into that first clip? Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. All right. Uh, this is part one, Florida State Representative Diane Hart, and it's followed by Gary Clark Jr.'s Come Together from the Justice League soundtrack. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. We'll be right back after this. Abolition. Abolition. Today. I want to thank Today. you all for joining us. I'm State Representative Diane Hart, representing House District 61 of Tampa. And I, we're here for a very, very important announcement today. And I'm happy to work with this group that's standing behind me with Senator Bobby Powell and our incoming Democratic leader, Representative Valdez, and all of the other organizations that are standing with me this morning, and our common pastor. Look, I never get it quite right. Reverend Myers, or Pastor Myers. We have two other people that are going to join us in a few minutes, and that's Glasgow, and also Rashida, to the executive director of top. They are the two people who actually brought this piece of legislation to me. But we're going to talk about officially removing the involuntary servitude from Florida's Constitution this morning. HJR 39 will not prevent incarcerated individuals who want to work from working. Instead, it will ensure that these individuals are compensated. It was reported in 2019 that in the previous five physical years, some 2,500 inmates were assigned to community work squads and another 1,000 to Florida Department of Transportation road squads, working a total of about 17.7 million hours. Often, the little money that these inmates, that our loved ones, earn goes back to helping their families or towards their canteen so that they can communicate with families. By forcing them into unpaid labor, 
You take the opportunity away from them to be able to do that. Although the terminology for this practice has changed many times throughout history, the implications have not. Whether we look at the early 1900s, when convict leasing to Henry Blacker built up new developments in cities, to the 1920s and the 1940s, when Florida Department of Corrections had inmates making furniture, license plates, or working in fields, or on the roadway, chained together in what we knew as the chain game. It has been a part of our prison system for decades. Even today, if you drive down the road, you can see inmates working on roads and supporting the efforts of universities with their unpaid labor. The University of Florida, where the largest user of forced labor, using more than 156,000 hours since 2015, while they have formally ended their contract with the Department of Corrections to forced labor, Florida Gulf Coast University continues to use forced labor as they have since 1995, two years before it officially opened to students and have no indication of stopping. In 2019, there were 100 state agencies, municipalities, count and counties that had formal contracts with the Department of Corrections, earning the agency over $36 million since July 2014. There are many great work programs, such as PRIDE, which allow inmates who want to work to do so. They learn valuable marketable skills while earning money that they would otherwise not have. However, our state's constitution has no language to address the issue of unpaid labor in our prison system. And it's time that we move our state into the 21st century with this bill. In 2008, the Florida legislature officially apologized and expressed profound regret for the horrible practice of slavery. The final words of that resolution read, be it further resolved that the legislature calls for healing and reconciliation among all residents of the state. True reconciliation means action. And this that legislature, because this was going to do something about it, that legislature failed to act. Today, we offer an opportunity for that to change with this bill. I urge every member of the Florida House of Representatives to join me and all of us in the, in, to end this in an effort and co-sign on as a co-sponsor to this important legislation. I ask that the legislature's leadership hears HJR 39 in committee so that we have the opportunity to vote on this important piece of legislation. It's time to move forward in doing the right thing, but it will take all of us on both sides of the aisle to do that. Here come old fast top comes grooving slowly. He got juju hot for me one. Holy roller, he got hair down to his knees. Got to be a joker. He just do what you
Abolition. Abolition. You just heard Florida State Representative Diane Hart speaking on the press conference at the Florida's Capitol announcing the introduction of joint resolutions to amend the state constitution and introduce anti-slavery legislation. Uh, That was under HJR 39 and SJR 39-2, and that was followed by Gary Clark Jr. come together from the Justice League soundtrack. I see what you did there, Max. (laughs) Yeah, you know me, bro. Come together over me. That's you know, first of all, let me give this to Representative Diana Hart. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Well deserved. Well deserved. For real. Um, next week, we're going to have Pastor Glenny Shopton uh, Glasgow come on as a guest. And I'm going to see if we can also get Representative Diana Hart to come on uh, so that uh, she can talk with our audience and tell her story because this is all epic, man. This is a, a, a select few people who have gotten up and made right. these things happen. You know what I mean? Uh, the first time in history ending slavery in Florida. And Florida is a freaking mess. The home of the GEO Group, one of the largest right. private, private prison industries in the world, is right there in Florida, uh, based in Florida. Um, and they've had so many human rights violations, charges, man, it would read like a dictionary. Sure. You know what I mean? Right, uh, right. They almost went out of business you know, a couple of times. Go ahead. <laughs> How about that? You know, I, I, I just wanted to, you know, give her so, much, so many props because not only, you know, she could have just stood up there and just said, you know, one, two, three, ABC, but she actually broke it down. And she used the piece of the puzzle that most people missed, and this is why they don't understand slavery still existing. She directly connected everything to convict leasing. She gave mm-hmm. the history of it, the convict leasing, the chain gangs, and then she started naming names, too. She said, look, University of Florida is the biggest violator, you know, of this. they're the biggest culprit in this whole scheme. When she started running numbers, she was like uh, 2,500 uh, of those incarcerated that have been used for community work squads and you know, another uh-huh. thousand being uh, used by the Department of uh, the Florida Department of Transportation. And she said that they've logged 17.7 million hours. Million. This is forced, 17.7 million hours of forced labor. <laughs> Man. Yo, we got a, a hand up here. Let's see who it is. It's uh, 6606 here on Abolition Today. What's your name and your question or comment? Yeah, my name's Joe. I've been here, I don't know, one time before. I was here a few weeks ago. Um, that was a pretty intense version of the Beatles there. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the thing is, that the reason I'm here is because every time I go to um, a conservative show there, it's, it's as though slavery didn't have an impact on blacks. When I go to a black show, it's as though slavery is the sole reason why blacks are in the condition they're in today. When I was on your show last time, you guys seemed to have the only stats, documentation, um, and reasons to express why slavery in its form today exists. 
So what I'm doing, I'm trying to put together a debate between conservatives and liberals. I've got two conservatives who have volunteered. I've got one liberal who's a volunteer. I think I have another liberal, but I'm not sure. And I want to ask you guys, are you, are you liberals or conservatives? You know, I don't even use that terminology right. for myself because I hold some conservative views and I hold some liberal views. I, I don't want to go into detail right. on which is which. Okay. Um, my, my main concern is human rights issues like slavery and genocide, you know, like right. the whole world, everything else is going on. I don't even want to deal with that. To me, this is the most important thing, and everything else has to hold on while we handle that. Because you really can't have justice or freedom or equality as long as slavery is, is legal. <laughs> like, that's not even possible. Okay. Would you consider yourself a civil libertarian? Because I'm a person who believes in civil. Yeah. Okay, because I'm a libertarian. That's close to civil libertarian, yeah. What about you, Yusuf? Okay. You know, I'm I'm the same way. I don't, I don't uh, ascribe to any of the labels, you know, but uh, – Likewise, I mean, if we were if we were talking about being conservative or liberal, yes, there are some some uh, conservative uh, viewpoints that I agree with, and there's some liberal viewpoints that I agree with. You know, nor do I consider myself a moderate. You know, I'm <laughs> I've, I've been more of a non nonconformist most of we're my life. We're not party liners, you know? right? That's it. It's just, that's right. how it is. We're not party liners. You know what I mean? We're about the issues and not the party. And exactly. And one label that I do wear and I wear proudly is that I'm a slavery abolitionist. And right. that's the agenda for me. And just to make it clear, we don't see slavery as just a black issue. You know, we've showcased mm-hmm. things that have happened to white people, that have happened to Hispanic people. You know, we know who gets targeted the most behind it right. but i'm just i'm just as uh loud <laughs> and forceful for any white person that's enslaved or any hispanic person any asian person you know it's about mm-hmm. human rights see it's mm-hmm. human rights violations that we're talking about but there's also so that the you part, can't even put a color to that we're part of the 13 percent. that's one of the top things too you know what i mean like not part of the 99 percent. part of the 13 percent because we do deal right. with issues that are specific to us as a group. Okay. Uh, if you guys wanted to volunteer, because um, the three issues would be white supremacy, which would include slavery, uh, immigration, and vaccines. So would you, I would have to put you on one side or the other because you can't go on one side and go on the other side while the debate's going on. <laughs> so throw us with the liberals because the, the 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 conservatives will be looking at us sideways if we say anything. Um, yeah. Okay. But but the, I guess the only category that might kind of fit is white supremacy, although I believe that's a misnomer. Uh, you know, there's nothing right. supreme about being delusional, but it is what it is. <laughs> you know? Okay. Um. All right. So if you guys would like, um. I can come back, let you know when I finally get this together. I don't know if or when I will. I'm thinking about putting it on the um, on the uh, show that I usually go to on Saturday. Are you going to moderate? 20... Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm uh, going to act like the Supreme Court. My name's Joe. Name? Joe. Joe. Uh, 
thank you. Thank you for the offer, first of all. I'm glad you're going to moderate, but do me a favor and be on the lookout for logical fallacies. It is a favorite go-to for right-wing conservatives. <laughs> so sure. when I'm you not- see them, <laughs> please stop them before they go further and build on bullshit. Oh, that's not a problem because I will be doing it the same way SCOTUS does. You, you ever see the boys in front of SCOTUS and how the Supreme oh, Court judges yeah, sure. Just, just right. interrupt them all the time to make sure they sure. don't meander and they don't wander off. Yeah. So I'll be doing that that way. People will have their feelings hurt because I, excuse me, I will be interrupting them all the time to keep them on the track that I want them to go on. And as you're talking about logical fallacies, I'll be using critical thinking. I'll be using how, when, where, and why. Where's your evidence? Do you have your evidence? Um, things like right. that. I also, I'm also going to, if I finally do get it together, I'm going to try to pick out um, the documents that both liberals and conservatives would like to use for their, uh, for their arguments so that both sides will know where each side is coming from. Because you know how people get into arguments and they say, well, he said, she said, I read this and I read that. But when they do... It can't be refuted because the other side doesn't have the document in front of them. So I'm going to do that that way. That way you know which side, um, the conservative side, what documents they have. They'll know what documents you have. You have documents that favor you. They'll have documents that favor them. But both of you will know what those documents are. You'll have time to research them, find out if those documents are credible, and answer the question, well, okay, we can use logic and critical thinking, but why do you believe him as opposed to her? Things like that. All right. So, well, looking forward to it there, Joe. Uh, keep us up to date on it and uh, let us know how it comes together. And uh, maybe we can replay it here on our program uh, so people can hear sure. it. Sure. Absolutely. Either all or some. Oh, another reason why... Um, I don't know if I mentioned this. Uh, the reason why I want him on his show is because he has 21,000 Twitter followers. So if you have the, uh, we have the, sh- the debate on his show, he can tweet out to people. Show's there. He will put out your show. You might have some new Twitter followers following you. Hmm. Well, that's so, pretty nice. That's, that's pretty nice. Maybe get him to come over here and, and bring up our numbers with some of those 21,000. Yeah, that's, that's right. incentive to have people do it. Now I say I'm trying to put it together. I don't know if I'll ever get it together because <laughs> you know people will say yes, but then when it comes time to do it, they might drop out. Well, so, we'll okay, keep, keep guys, us posted. I will. I was going to say All keep right, us posted. You can reach you can reach us at the app at uh, abolitionist center at gmail dot com. I won't be sending any emails out. I won't be giving people my phone number because I, I don't trust I, I anybody. Forgot, out I forgot. Now, I recall from fine. our last conversation, you, you, you're sort of off the grid. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember, we've only got one more live show for this year. Uh, the rest will be uh, – there will be new broadcasts, but it won't be live uh, for the rest oh, of the really? year. We won't be back until the 2nd uh, of January. So that gives you a, a, some time to put it together. Let's start 2022 off yeah, with a Oh, you know? Yeah, it gives me a lot of time to put it together. <laughs> right. Uh, All right, awesome. All right. Let me, we're going to go ahead All and right. get into this I, second part. One last question. Hold on, Max. Okay. One last question. Right. Joe, had you ever gotten a chance to check out the uh, documentaries that we mentioned? I took a look at the um, 
Um, on YouTube, I didn't check it out. I went back to some of your shows. Um, I didn't. Um, I played one for like thirty seconds, and that was about it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, well, thanks for calling. Okay. Thanks, guys. Take it easy now. You too. All right, brother Joe. I appreciate those little surprises. Yeah. Let's go ahead. Return caller. I appreciate that. Indeed, uh, and, and opening people's eyes. Like you said, we're at the listing. All these different groups were the ones that's making sense, and that's because we talk about what we and, know and bringing out stats and evidence. Right. You know, he was like bringing in. You know, he was like saying, uh, "What kind of papers or, or you know proof do people have to back up their claims?" I'm coming in with nothing more than the the abolition amendment SJR uh, 21. And the 13th Amendment. That's all we need. <laughs> you know? Right. But anyway, let's go ahead right. and get into part two. Senator Bobby Powell out in Florida, followed by Kayo, uh, and it's a song with Jay Morris, of course. Wait, wait, Max. Called... I think you skipped. I think you What's skipped. That? I think there's one other part to play before that. The uh, Florida Abolition Amendment conclusion. Oh, no, that's the last it... one. That's why it's called conclusion. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got the right one. So this, okay, Senator, I have a Senator, I have a minor order on my board. I'm sorry. Right, this is Senator Bobby Powell, followed by Ko featuring Jay Morris, convict listening. You're listening to Abolition Today, AbolitionToday.org, with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan. We'll be right back. Abolition, Abolition. Today. Now I will turn the mic over to Senator Bobby Powell, who is the Senate sponsor for this bill. Thank you, and it, I am very uh, tempered in terms of being responsible for filing this important piece of legislation in the Senate. We are in the Capitol here in Tallahassee, and this is where it starts. It's no secret that historically uh, slavery, prison labor, are rooted in a system of capitalism. and. In this society, we understand that the purpose of this particular resolution, which is SJR 392, is to ensure that for camps and labor options for prisoners or anyone who's serving a sentence where they're involuntarily being asked to do work, is not exploiting them and leaving them devoid of opportunities where they could better serve their sentence and time through education, training, and transferable skills versus being put to labor without their own request. There are so many ways that we can promote and implement changes within the system, and as legislators here in the capital, this is where it starts. Some will say that they are really in a profit and prison, but the work of these individuals who are continuing to labor would say otherwise. The purpose of prison and rehabilitation and satisfying the societal debt would be to correct people, but this does indeed the opposite. We're here today through this coalition being led by Representative Hart and those behind us simply asking 
that our state allowed Floridians to make that decision and have a voice in deciding how to best achieve correctional outcomes. It is time that we end slavery here in the state of Florida. Thank you. After your freedom, no jobs available, got you begging and pleading. Please come and get you and lock you up for no reason. Re-enslaved, but they called it convict leases. Manual labor was needed to plant and harvest crops, build highways, railroads, it's time to open shops. Companies paid for labor from the state, which was convicts, it was harmless in fact. The ones they targeted black. That's the struggle of a man working on the chain. Yeah, that's the trouble of a man working on the chain. Convict leasing was really worse than slavery, right? Cause with convict leasing, no one even cared if you died. With slavery, if you passed away, they'll lose their investment. With convict leasing, they'll just replace you when death hit. Ages 14 to 70, they will work heavily. Six days a week from dusk to dawn. Little food to carry on. Some children as young as eight years old was enslaved. Working hard with a grown up strap to a ball and chain. That's the struggle of a man working on the chain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the trouble of a man working on the chain. Yeah. There was an increased need for infrastructure to move goods. Rail system, highways, demand steadily coming. The good roads movement secured federal funding. More shoveling, grading, leveling, digging, they dug in. Enslaved blacks built the wealth for the country again. Farmers could transport crops to the market and then manufacturers could ship goods across country. Travel easy now. Even today, they still work and may give them pennies. Wow. That's the struggle of a man. Working on the chain, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the trouble of a man working on the chain, yeah. That's the struggle of a man working on the chain, yeah, yeah, yeah. Abolition today. That was Senator Bobby Powell in the continuation of the press conference for the Florida State uh, House of Representatives announcing the introduction of joint resolutions to amend the state constitution and introduce anti-slavery legislation. And that was followed by KO featuring Jay Morris, convict leasing. And one thing I realized, Max, is I got to step my game up on the nights that I'm, that I'm uh, <laughs> producing the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. Yeah, that was uh, – <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Senator Bobby Powell broke it down. I'm glad to see these senators coming out in support like that. Right. Um, and he understands what the real deal is. He said it's time to end slavery 
in the state of Florida. Remember, up until recently, one in five black men couldn't even vote in Florida because of disenfranchisement. Until 2020, with support from us, actually, is that they passed, I think it was Amendment 4, that gave them back the right to vote. But then the governor turned around and did a hustle on them and put fines Mm -hmm. and fees in the way. Until you pay this fine and this fee, you can't vote. There's no law or no constitutional uh, amendment that says you can do that. As a matter of fact, it's a violation of the 15th Amendment to tell somebody you got to pay X amount of money and then you can vote. You should have never took it away to begin with. So they're still hustling out of their votes. And and thankfully that uh, LeBron James and the More Than a Vote uh, organization got involved in that, and they started paying off the fines for a lot of people so they can get their right to vote. But uh, like you said, it shouldn't have happened to begin with. Right. They they didn't pay for them all, and there was just too many. I mean, they shouldn't have did it to begin with. There should be no barrier to a citizen who's paying taxes from voting. Period. The government is not supposed to do that. The 15th Amendment is very clear about that. Right. And yet here we are, constitutional violations. But let something happen about guns, and they'll be crying constitutional crisis over the Second Amendment or the 25th exactly. Amendment. But you never hear anything about voting, 15th Amendment, citizenship, 14th Amendment, cruel and unusual punishment, and excessive fines, fees in the 8th Amendment, uh, fair and speedy trials, as well as uh, competent attorneys in the Sixth Amendment. You don't hear about none of that, <laughs> you know? It's, it's crazy talk. And it, I mean, it yeah. clearly says it. I, I just had to, to pull it up again. Just, that's it. Well, that's uh, I think that's Sean and Jamelia uh, tuned in. And, of course, please press 1. If either of you would like to speak uh, or any of the other callers on the line, uh, 15th Amendment. The right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. Previous conditions of servitude. And that covers it right there. (laughs) Right, yeah. It's it's very clear. And if you're doing as many as 10 million, at the least it's 6 million. But we're pretty sure there's a lot more than that out there. As many as 10 million people's rights away – that is a constitutional crisis right there, <laughs> you know? Right. But, hey, you know, what are we talking about? We, we, we're we not logical. <laughs> you know, there's no critical thinking here, right? Oh, man. So, yeah, that and then Kale with Jay Morris, you know, Dr. Kale, because he's actually a, a doctor, yes. a professor, yes. right? Uh, that brother be dropping it. We played a few of his tracks, and uh, him and Jay Morris – really broke down convict leasing in the music so you could understand exactly what they were talking about. Uh, and, uh, man, Abolition Today be kicking behind with some of this music. If you want to hear anything that we played over the past two years, all you got to do is go to youtube.com slash Abolition Today, and you'll see the Abolition Music playlist. Just click it and click random, and you'll have a hell of a good time. I'm telling you, man. You'll go through everything. You'll be learning more than you can imagine. Wow. Your head is not, <laughs> or your booty shit. Exactly. Or you crying. Exactly. Whatever may happen. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever it is, we we have a little bit for everything. You can get your shout on. You can get your dance on. You know, we Word. even have some. We even have some slow R and B tracks. 
we got a little bit of everything and all kinds of genres and different ages. You know, we played stuff from the '60s and stuff that just came out yesterday. You know, that's how we roll. Exactly, <laughs> uh, and somehow and, it all ties into uh, the abolition of uh, slavery. Yep, and the end of for-profit prisons, the ending convict leasing. You know, it's a lot of music out there, a lot of artists out there that know. And they're putting this music out, but of course you're not going to hear it on your local uh, power station. And, you know, Power uh, Clear Channel is one of the biggest uh, broadcasters out there. You're not going to hear right? it on any of their stations. You're not going to hear it on any of your top 40 stations or your classic rock station or your country music station or whatever, you know, your thing is. You're not going to hear it, but you will hear it here on Abolition Today. Right. Like, for instance, on mainstream radio, you can see, or video, you can see Cash Doll's music, right? And she does a lot of stuff, uh, you know, I don't even know what to call it, but usually it requires that she have most, most of her clothes off. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, right. Uh, the, the songs he's talking can be pretty harsh. But you'll never hear 13th Amendment by Cash Doll from the most perfect album, 27, on mainstream media. And she actually made a song about the 13th Amendment, which is beautiful. It's awesome. Right. You know what I mean? And you won't hear that on 97.1, but you'll probably hear it talking about shaking ass and dropping it like it's hot. Uh, mainstream right. media is not exactly. our friend, man. Uh, I've told people over and over again, if you don't like it, turn it off. Stop supporting them. Hey, we're here. <laughs> And there's others like us that play independent music that don't let that come through the door. That's and right. We've got several hundred tracks at Abolition Today on our YouTube page. So go ahead and check it out. All right, so let's get into this next one. I think this is the cream of the crop of, of the uh, speeches that were given on the 20th of October announcing H, uh, House Joint Resolution 39 and Senate Joint Resolution 39-2. Uh, this is the Reverend Dr. Russell Meyer, uh, and he came in uh, really – man, it's that chaos theory working again. I was talking to Pastor uh, Kenny Glasgow a couple months ago and explaining to him how hard I've been trying to get the black church to support us and how difficult it's been. Like they keep turning blind eyes. Like they don't see none of this going on. And we 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 gotten a few lately to get on board, but – he said, Max, let me see what I can do. I'm, you know, I'm a pastor. I'm connected with the black churches in the South. And so he went and got the executive director uh, for the uh, many of, uh, of the Baptist. Florida Council of Churches. Florida, right, Florida Council of Churches to come in and speak. And this brother dropped it like a science. He really broke it down. He tied it directly into Christianity and then made a dramatic appeal, and it's very moving. So I, I think this is the, this is something that you may never forget after hearing it. Uh, Want to go ahead and get into it? Yes, sir. All right. Reverend Dr. Russell Meyer, uh, the executive director for the Florida Council of Churches, and the music you'll hear in the background is Infinity from NAQZ. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Max Parkinson and Yusuf Hassan. This is our next to last broadcast for season two. We'll be right back after this. Abolition. Abolition. Today. Abolition. At this time, we'll have Reverend Meyer. Thank you, uh, Representative Hart, Senator Powell, for introducing legislation every Floridian can embrace. 
I am the Reverend Dr. Russell Meyer, Executive Director of the Florida Council of Churches. The Council represents a million Floridians in the historic Protestant and Black churches. We stand for the dignity of all peoples and persons, and the dignity of human labor. But that was not always the case. At one time, our churches were deeply divided between enslavers and abolitionists. Today, churches are addressing the damage and trauma done by white supremacy, the pain and suffering caused by generations of enslavement, the false ideas that have been preached, and the broken trust between people that has been exploited for power and profit. The Bible was contorted and misused. Faith itself was corrupted by the idea of policies that said your heritage determined your future as free or slave. Today, no one believes that falsehood is the basis of society. We universally embrace what Thomas Jefferson knew in his heart of hearts when he wrote that all men are created equal. Every person, man, woman, or non-binary, every European, African, Indian, and Asian is created equal. Equality means that no person can own another person for pleasure or force them to work unwillingly. No person, no institution, no state. Each of us deserves the dignity and respect of owning our own persons and our own labor, whether we are walking freely about the streets of Florida or incarcerated in Florida prisons. How did we get here? How did we get to the place where embedding in our state constitution the first principle that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude should exist in Florida? It's a 500-year-old story that involves a tale of two Floridas. In the 1400s, popes gave the kings of Portugal and Spain moral authority to enslave in perpetuity any non-Christians wherever they were found and possessed their land in Africa and the New World. This is called the Doctrine of Christian Discovery. It's actually the basis of the title of your, your home, if you own a home. And it was first proclaimed on this continent in what is now St. Petersburg by Pantilio de Novaria in 1528, who, with um, a few survivors, made it to Tallahassee in what became San Luis Mission, and then headed west, claiming much of the southwest for Spain. Though the Spanish brought slavery to Florida, it didn't take here as in southern colonies, and indeed was abolished by 1811. In fact, the 14th and 15th colonies in America, East and West Florida, which never get talked about in our colonial history, had become multicultural centers with Europeans, Africans, and Indians had found ways to live together sustainably. 
Florida was a haven for Africans who fled their enslavers in the southern states. But that changed in 1821 when Florida became a U.S. territory and Andrew Jackson then initiated ethnic cleansing to establish a white slave colony leading to America's truly longest war, the war against the Seminoles. As an enslaving state, Florida never adopted the 13th Amendment in its Constitution. After the Reconstruction era, Florida became the epicenter of lynching black Americans and relied on convict leasing up until World War II. Today, forms of slavery and involuntary servitude exist across the state. Human trafficking, forced migrant labor, and prison workforces all violate the universal conviction that slavery is immoral, intolerable, and unacceptable. The resolution to embed this first principle in the Florida Constitution deserves unanimous consent from the legislature. There are no grounds for denying it as a basic principle of our social compact in the 21st century. We call upon the state of Florida to cease its use to force labor among the incarcerated. No one loses their humanity because a court sentence sentences them to prison. We don't change species and become something else because of a conviction. The foundation of civil law in the Bible is the exodus, the freeing of the enslaved children of Israel. Jesus boldly declares in his hometown sermon that the Spirit of God anointed him to set the captives free. We know that appreciating the variety of heritages in this state makes us stronger, while dehumanizing some of us so a few alone profit and gain power makes us weaker. The church calls upon the legislature to say clearly and without equivocation that slavery is wrong and unacceptable and will not practice it. You may have heard of the practice of an altar call in church. That practice began as a call to join Jesus in setting the captives free by coming up and signing an abolition statement. Whatever your faith or no faith, Today, we all need to be able to vote for amending the state constitution so that slavery and involuntary servitude have no place among us ever again. Our churches will be seeking the opportunity to cast our vote to say, no person shall be held in slavery or involuntary servitude in the state, including as a penalty or punishment or crime. Thank you for your attention, and may this effort receive universal acclaim. Abolition. Abolition. Wow. <laughs> that was Reverend Dr. Russell Mayer, the Executive Director of the Florida Council of Churches, and that was accompanied by Infinity by Knox Beats. Max, that was so powerful. You know, he really, Man. really, really broke it down right there. We you know, don't change and species and become something else because of a conviction. When he said that, 
<laughs> I was like, wow. Like, I'm going to have to listen to that just that portion over and over and over again because he just said so many powerful things there. And I, I really liked how he broke down the doctrine of discovery. Many call it the doctrine of discovery, but it's really the Christian doctrine of discovery. Mm-hmm. And doing a little research is a concept of public international law expounded by the U.S. Supreme Court in a series of decisions, most notably Johnson versus McIntosh in 1823, because you know how much I love referring to the courts. Chief Justice John Marshall justified the way colonial powers claimed lands belonging to sovereign indigenous nations during the age of discovery. Under this ruling, title to lands lay with the government whose subjects explored and occupied a territory where inhabitants were not subjects of the European church monarch. Uh, one thing I also wanted to note it, uh, in the USA, for example, the doctrine was used to justify the Mexican-American War, the War of 1812, the Indian Removal Act, the American Indian Reservation System, the Indian Residential Schools, and federal control preventing tribes from owning their own lands. Among other things, that's how I was rolling. And, you know, it reminded me of one of the epic pro, uh, broadcasts that we here, had here in 2020 where we brought in presidential candidate Mark Charles who was on the ballot in 30 mm-hmm. states and he wrote the right. book literally Unsettling Truths The Ongoing Dehumanizing Legacy of the Doctrine of Discovery. That's by him and Sung Chandra. Uh, you can pick that book up. I highly recommend it. But he's also a slave rehabilitionist. So you know when people were talking about Biden versus Trump, he's like no, we're going with Mark Charles the slavery abolitionist who has a dual citizenship as a Navajo native and an American citizen. Uh, so he talks uh, in depth about the doctrine of discovery. You, you can check out that program during our 2020 period. Wow. <laughs> you know, I'd be bold enough to say, let's play that section again. But, uh, <laughs> we don't have the time for it. Uh, it's worth uh, listening to again. We'll probably it really put it is. in a mix during our break. We'll be on air every week during the break. It just won't be live. So we'll be putting together special mixes. And on New Year's, we'll put together all of our uh, music mixes that we've had throughout the year. Uh, last year we did that. It was awesome because it really captured the year 2020 in music and poetry, and we plan to do it again this year so you can hear it all. Right, because, uh, you know, our theme for this year has been badges and incidents of slavery, and it's sort of like the reverend just summed it up. You know, this everything mm-hmm. that we've, we've, we've uh, laid out this season, he, he captured it in that, I don't know, five minutes that he spoke or so, he captured it. Right, And that was just such an impactful line, just saying, you know, a conviction doesn't turn you into another species. Meaning you're still, if, if something's a human rights violation when a person is in the quote-unquote free society, then it's a human rights violation when they're incarcerated as well. Nothing changes. You, you don't lose your humanity. And that's just such a powerful statement that he made right there. And yes, yes, connecting all the dots on it um and the call to action for the church uh for everybody in the churches to stand up against slavery 
Like, you can't see that? Like, really, you can't see that? <laughs> you know? Uh, so, yeah, that was powerful. It's worth listening to uh, uh, over and over again. And, and also, in addition to, to what you were just saying, uh, remember Brother Andy Williams, the Hood candidate, another presidential candidate yes. in 2020, he has issued a lawsuit as a private uh, attorney general this year charging the United States with slavery uh, and uh Due to the 13th Amendment, breaking it down all the way, you know what I mean? It's like 15 pages right. of this lawsuit that he has submitted and other states are submitting as well, uh, charging them with slavery through the 13th Amendment. That was very powerful. But, man, you know, abolition today and the abolitionist movement and the people who are, are you know, the small group of people who are really trying to get so much done, it's amazing to see the fruits of that labor coming together and how it's all interconnected, you know? Um, right. Yeah, I went to TikTok today for the first time and made an account. So Max Parthas is on TikTok. Max. Oh man, it's Parthas, over. Right? It's all over. <laughs> yeah, they told me that I needed to do it, so I, I went to do it. And the first thing I looked up was other slavery abolitionists. So I'm like, search slavery abolition. Let me see who was up here. There's a lot of people that know what's up with the Thirteenth Amendment on TikTok, making all kinds of little uh, videos. It's pretty cool. I was surprised. But yeah, I'm finally on TikTok <laughs> with the babies. <laughs> it's so funny because someone has always been telling me, "You guys need to be on TikTok. You guys need to be on TikTok." And I'm Isn't like, that? you know, yeah, or, or someone else. So maybe it's two people because I'm just thinking right. when I hear TikTok, I think of like the milk crate challenge and you know all all kinds of you know the foolishness that goes on. So I may have to go over there and check it out. You know, as well, man, see what's going on on TikTok to see that there is, you know, a serious side to it. Yeah, it's hidden. It's in there. But there are a lot of people uh, with a serious side. And sometimes they take that serious stuff and turn it into little cute things, you know, or funny stuff. Uh, You know, like this one brother that was acting surprised to find out that slavery was still legal in the United States. (laughs) You know, I was like, oh, okay. But, yeah, it's starting to touch a lot of people, especially the young people. They understand. They're, they're getting it, and they're doing what they can to make a difference. And the fruits of that is shown right here with nine states with legislation, four states that have abolished slavery, and 21 states organizing, and a federal joint resolution. Uh, we are not playing. <laughs> We're not playing. Not man. playing. In fact, We're not playing. In fact, you know, the way we're really going to say it is the way, you know, I'm loving the, the conclusion, the conclusive track to the, uh, <laughs> to the press conference and the artist there really says it the way I would say it. <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's tell now, them what that is after they hear it. How's that? Right. That's why I didn't want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. So we're going to come up on the conclusion of this press conference that happened on October 20th, 2021. Uh, which was introduced by State Representative Diane Hart and Senator Bobby uh, Powell in conjunction with TOPS, the Ordinary People Society, and uh, Pastor uh, Kenny Glasgow, Kenneth Sharpton Glasgow. If you, people don't know, that's Al Sharpton's brother. Um, he's trying to get us on the show with Sharpton now. He says Sharpton wants us on, but he's trying to get the right scheduling to bring us to come on air. And I'm going to try to get Al Sharpton to come on our show. Come support some of this That's independent right. media. Help us get some That's numbers right. up there. You know what I mean? Why we got to go on your show all the time? I got a show too. 
<laughs> exactly. All right. So this is the Florida Abolition Amendment conclusion, and uh, we'll introduce the poem that you'll hear after that, after we come back. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org, with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan. We'll be right back after this. Abolition, Abolition. Thank you. Thank you. That's why he's a pastor, right? So I'd like to bring our, our leader, our incoming leader of my class, to the podium to say a couple words to you. I know that my senator probably has to run back to the Senate, but we want you all to understand how critically important this is. Right. Thank you, Representative Hart. So first of all, wow, Reverend Myers. In my tradition in church, we would say Pastor Clayton. I think he has said what needs to be said, and as I think about where we stand in the rotunda of this great capital, right, Florida admitted to the Union as a state March 3rd, 1845. Ladies and gentlemen, it's 2021. The fact that we're even having this conversation, I think it's a blight on our state, it's a blemish on our state. It's unfortunate that we have not already settled this issue in our Constitution. We're talking about basic human rights. And as I think about our moral obligations as lawmakers, a big part of that is making sure that we are always enacting policies that consider the least among us. And when I say the least among us, I don't mean in terms of a person's status or the power that they have. I mean whether or not they're vulnerable. And our prison population is quite vulnerable. Who is going to stand for them? Who is going to speak for them? They are people too. You would be hard pressed to find a stronger champion for the rights of our current inmates and returning citizens than Representative Diane Hart. She leaves it on the field each and every day, working hard to protect the least among us and making sure that they have a voice. It is my honor as a leader in this caucus to support those efforts of Representative Hart and Senator Bobby Powell. And I urge my other lawmakers to do the same. Thank you so much for bringing this very important issue to the forefront, and I look forward to continuing that conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much. At this time, we will take questions. Representative Hart, um, you're the Democratic nominee for governor in 2014. Charlie Chris earned the nickname Chain Gang Charlie. He is currently a candidate for governor, and yesterday he sent out uh, a list of endorsements you. Have you talked to him about this issue? Do you feel like he's had a change of heart from way of thinking these days? I absolutely believe so. I've had a very in-depth conversation with him as it concerns criminal reform, criminal justice reform, prison reform, and yes, absolutely. I do believe he has had a change of heart. <laughs> I don't want you to work. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I want you to work. I want you to get paid. 
case for doing so. Do you know if other states have the same practice as Florida does? Absolutely. There are five actual states who passed this resolution and got it into their constitution that it will be no more servitude. And then there's the rest of the about 20, I believe, that are working on such a piece of legislation. And then there's us here in this wonderful state of Florida that are trying to do the very same thing, get it put into our constitution so that we don't have servitude. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Look at them flames lighting up the sky. Ain't never seen fire shooting up so high. Look at them flames lighting up the sky. Look at them flames lighting up the sky. I ain't never seen fire shooting up so high. Are you listening, people, to what I'm saying? Because it sure looks to me like them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Ever since they passed them civil rights, those fires have been lighting up the nights. And they say they ain't gonna stop till we all have equal rights. Looks to me like them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Looks like they developed a new black pride. It even showing the way they now stride. You better look around, y'all. Can't you see what I'm saying? Show looks to me like them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. They show ain't. They show ain't playing. I think they're trying to get something started. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about Snick and us and the Black Panther Party. Yeah. Is anyone listening to what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Cause it sure looks to me like them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Eighteen billion so far is the claim of damage done by looting and flame. Yet look around, there ain't nothing changed. Nothing oh, damn thing. I sure hope somebody is listening to what I'm saying. Cause it sure looks to me like them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas yo. sure ain't playing. The bigots and the virtues, they just can't see. This now black generation is gonna be free. Just you try and stop them and for sure you see what I'm saying. Show looks to me like them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Now where the black man is going is anybody's guess. With his natural hair and his afro dress. But you can believe one thing and forget the rest. We, we know, know for sure. sure. Them, them niggas, niggas ain't playing. And we ain't either. Abolition. 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 <laughs> Hey, I'm sorry, Mom, but that's a song, and that's a song from your era. You know, that was, first and foremost, it was the conclusion of the uh, press conference of Florida announcing the introduction of joint resolutions to amend the state constitution and introduce anti-slavery legislation. And that was followed by the Watts Prophets, who, you know, I guess that's the, uh, that could be a theme for abolition today, right? <laughs> and know, the right? Abolished Slavery National Network. Look, them niggas ain't playing. We serious about this. Playing. We mean this. Like, for real. Like, <laughs> show me some other groups that is changing the Constitution like that and ending slavery. Them niggas ain't playing. <laughs> well, you, you know, know and I mean, is. she broke it down. She broke it down. They asked her the question. They would look, uh, are other states doing this? And so it shows that she's in tune with what's going on. She said, you know, Man. there are 20-some other states that are doing the same thing. You know, it's not just us. This isn't a one-off. This has been going on. Maybe you all are just catching on to it, the press. You're just catching on to this. But this has been going on for a while, and 
If you think that was something, I'm speaking for her now. <laughs> if you think that was something, watch what happens next year. Exactly. It's going to be mind-blowing, man. And uh, and that's not the end. That's just next year to watch the jump. Boom. Like, where did all these states come from talking about ending slavery? You know? You have to be under a rock not to get it by that time. You know? Uh, we saw the agitation it caused this year, just as we had right. hearings and committees all across the country. It got so bad that, and this is my opinion based on personal experiences, um, I know because we were in contact with the vice president's office. We were in contact with the speaker of the House's office. They all knew about this amendment, this uh, abolition amendment introduced by Senator Merkel of Oregon and Congresswoman Nakima Williams of Georgia. So they all knew about mm-hmm. it, right? And we was like, Juneteenth is the perfect day to announce this bill. And months in advance, so we did it. And guess what they did? Right. Juneteenth, a holiday out of nowhere. <laughs> like, we was causing right. so much problems. Ohio was going off. Uh, California was going off. Oregon was going mm-hmm. All these senators all across the country, Congress people and activists talking about slavery. And it, it must have blew their minds. And they said, we're going to have to quiet them down a little bit. <laughs> we're going to quiet right. them. Give them some bones. What are we going to do? I know what we'll do. We'll make Juneteenth a holiday. That way they can celebrate, guess what? The end of slavery. <laughs> slick. Slick. Yeah. Slick they, they, they're cunning. They're and real that was slick the Democratic Party doing that. Like, what they right. were doing was what King said the white moderates would do, who were worse than the Ku Klux Klaners, and that's determine another man's schedule for freedom. So they were like, we, we can't have that right now. We got too many things going on. We don't, we don't want to have that in the way uh, of all the things that we got going on. Like they did in New Jersey. We got an election coming up. We don't want to put that on the ballot as while well, this election is coming because it'll, it'll get people distracted. How was our freedom your distraction? Right. <laughs> Crazy, man. They look at slavery and human trafficking and go, that can wait. We got other stuff to do first. And that's what the minister talked about. Slavery and human trafficking in the real sense happening. Every day. Every day. Every day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it segues into an article that I wanted to share from this past week. Uh, actually, it's from the 8th, from October 8th. This is according to uh, Democracy Now. Actually, Democracy Now, and it's also confirmed by Business Insider. <laughs> Business Insider. So the Biden administration to turn Pennsylvania prison into for-profit ICE jail. Immigrant justice advocates are denouncing the Biden administration over its plan to turn a private prison in Pennsylvania, that's, you know, Biden state, into a for-profit immigration and customs enforcement jail. The facility could detain over 1,800 people and will be run by the GEO Group, one of the country's largest private prison companies. And it goes on to further say, just according to Business Insider, they broke it down. They said, well, President Biden issued an executive order phasing out the use of for-profit federal prisons, but the order did not apply to privately run immigrant detention centers. So ICE is currently detaining more than 21,000 people, which is up from 14,000 when Biden took office. So, you know, right back at it. You know, when we when we start talking about uh, Reagan's crime bill and the Clinton crime bill, both written by Joe Biden, 
it's sort of like he's taking a page out of his old book to just still continue with this prison, these uh, for-profit prisons. It's and a lot fact, of money. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of money right there. And historically, Biden was the one who actually pushed Reagan into in the introduction of the for-profit prisons, like bringing the federal government yeah. into that. That Biden was the one behind that. You can Biden all check been out our episode. his whole career. <laughs> like, that, that's made, been it, whole made a thing. life of it. Made made a life of it. You can check out our episode that was entitled "Blame the Presidents," where we actually broke down all of the presidents and how they've had a hand yep. in, yeah, in 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 keeping slavery alive from one generation to another. To where they either introduced new legislation or they just did nothing about it at all, although it was presented to them. So we laid down the history from uh, Lincoln all the way until Trump at the time. Um, I, I got a message to tell you that Biden is from Delaware, not PA. I don't even, he, he, yes, he is. Yeah. He is. He's. He was the senator from Delaware. He's originally from Pennsylvania, and that's what he used. Uh, to win Pennsylvania, he was born in mm-hmm. Allentown, Pennsylvania. You know this small town guy. <laughs> oh, go yeah, ahead. He's, he's Allen, yeah. Allen, yeah, Allentown is right near Scranton. It's all in the same little area. You know, just wanted to give everyone the, the impression I'm this small town guy. You know, roll your sleeve up. I'm the average Joe. You know, well, here he is doing what he does, and we know Pennsylvania already has that history when it comes to, uh, you know, modern slavery. You know, with the uh, what was it, cash for kids, kids for cash, kids what for was cash, that, that yeah. scheme, kids right. for cash out in Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm actually going to talk about that a little bit later, uh, but also, you know, with Florida, uh, you know, the representative Diane Hart mentioned. Was it was mentioned by the reporter asking a question about Charlie Crist, who is potentially could be the next governor there, Republican governor, and he asked mm-hmm. her if he had changed his mind because you know he was formerly known as Chain Gang Charlie, and the reason right. he got that is because he's one of those ultra tough on crime Republicans who successfully brought back chain gangs to Florida back in two thousand and three. Like the dude brought chain gangs back. So you got these men in stripes rolling around with chains on their ankles doing manual labor whether they want to or not. And that's what the representative was trying to be clear about the difference. You know, it's not we're asking people uh, to ask you to stop work programs, to not make it possible for inmates to make what little money they can make in order to cover the expenses of being incarcerated and, and having loved ones on the outside. We're not asking you that. We're saying we demand you stop forcing people to work, that you give them time, uh, a lot extra time if they refuse to, t- to work a day. If, Like in New Jersey, remember Dennis Feeble showed us the document that he found over there in regards to their rules and regulations in Jersey prisons. And if you refuse to right. work... That's the same violation in the prison as rape and murder. Refusing to work is the same right. violation as rape and murder. So, you know, that's right. forcing people to work. So we don't want you to force people to work. If somebody don't want to be your slave for that day or ever, you can't 
force them to do so. That's right. But now, you know, Charlie Chris got him chained up out in Florida, running around looking like, you know, something from the 1930s. Right, exactly. And so here's another article I wanted to share, Max. So remember earlier when you were talking about you're getting ready to go teach some high school students? Yes. And I said it's so important, you know, the work that you're doing and teaching them about slavery and modern slavery because many of them are going to be our – you know, they could turn out to be future politicians, legislatures. So I came across this one article, and it's so incredulous that, you know, I'm kind of like chuckling under my breath, but it's, it's, it's a very serious matter, and it shows why what you're doing is so important. This is, a, this is from TheRoot.com. It says, a white Illinois high school student, was sentenced after he after he advertised his black classmate as a slave on Craigslist. I'll read it again. A white Illinois high school student was sentenced after he advertised his black classmate as a slave on Craigslist. He was placed on probation and must serve 100 hours of community service for his actions in 2019. So according to the Daily Herald, this is the local paper there, uh, a white Naperville, Illinois high school student will serve two years probation and 100 hours of community service after posting a Craigslist ad offering up his black classmate as a slave for sale in November 2019. According to the Daily Herald, the student re- uh, recently pled guilty to two felony hate crime charges. He was a 14-year-old freshman at the time. He took a picture of a classmate and posted it on the online classified ad site. The ad also featured a racial slur per the DuPage County State Attorney's Office. Not long after the white student was charged with the hate crime in 2019, the Naperville son spoke to the black student's mother about how the Craigslist ad impacted her son. It mentions the mother's name, said the two students used to be friends, but they had a falling out at some point that culminated in the ad being posted. What do you think of that one, Max? These people have lost their damn mind is what it is. Like it's it's just it's crazy. It's crazy. Right. And it it, it, it brought to my mind where you said, Okay, some of some of the students that you're gonna be teaching are future legislatures and some of the students are future prosecutors, uh, future judges, future police officers that are carrying this kind of hate around in their hearts. You know, where they'll be the ones sitting there uh, being able to make left life and death decisions on people. And if it's not nipped in the bud, as the saying goes, I mean, we're talking a 14-year-old walking around with this this type of hatred in his heart to actually take a picture of the person and put the person in an ad. And we know all of the things that have happened with Craigslist. They have the movie, the Craigslist Killer, all of these things. Just to say, you know, I'm going to offer him as a slave. And he actually put him up for sale on Craigslist, Max. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to end up being cops, too. And in another story that just recently came out about what the police in Minnesota did, during the George Floyd 
protest shows how that mm-hmm. train of thinking becomes a force for fascism, oppression, and crimes against humanity. There are actual recordings right now of the Minneapolis police commander, Bruce Falcons. Uh, he's telling people that we're going to find some more people instead of chasing people around. You guys are out hunting people now, and it's just a nice change of tempo. And an offer to respond to him and says, you know, you're right. Fuck those people. Pardon my language, but this is what he said in the article. And then it says about 1040 on the 30th of May, uh, Police Sergeant Andrew Biddle is heard saying, we're rolling down Lake Street. The first efforts we see, we're just handling, handling them with 40s. Apparently, they're referring to the 40-millimeter non-lethal rounds. And they did exactly that. They rolled up on this one man with their doors open in an unmarked white van firing randomly at black people. That's what they were doing. And this one man mm. shot back. Uh, and they took him and arrested him after they brutalized him out there in public. And he went to court and won the case. Because the police showed up in unmarked cars with no announcement, just randomly firing at human beings, dehumanizing them to the point where now they're just target practice. They're not even human beings mm. anymore. Let's just shoot a, what do they say, F these people, you know, and we're rolling down and we're going to, the first efforts we see, we're going to start shooting them. They're hunting people. When you hunt people and you're getting a paycheck at the end of the hunting people week, Guess what that makes you? Mm. So, yeah, Minneapolis. And the humanization is, is very deep. Um, I'm trying to find my information on the Tennessee Kids for Cash scandal that is currently going on. Uh, so if there's something you want to cover in the meantime, I want to take a second to pull a couple of these articles up. Okay, so let's go. I mean, we have plenty of news stories to share. It's all kinds of things. A Louisiana sheriff's deputy who repeatedly slammed a black woman's head to the ground has a history of excessive force lawsuits against him. The Jefferson Parish, uh, Louisiana sheriff's deputy, who was recorded on video last month as he repeatedly slammed a black woman's head into the pavement, has been on the receiving end of nine federal civil lawsuits, civil rights lawsuits for excessive force. You, you probably ask, well, how is he still in the force? But this is what happens. So per NOLA.com, the deputy has been identified as 16-year sheriff's office veteran Julio Alvarado, who has been named in the most excessive force suits out of any of the department's other current deputies. The woman in the video, Chantel Arnold, previously told investigators that she was walking home after she had been assaulted by neighborhood boys when Alvarado pulled up to her and demanded she stop and talk to him. Witnesses said that he then got out and threw Arnold to the ground unprovoked, leading to an assault shown in the video. Skimming through the article a little more, they, they list plenty of lawsuits of, of this officer. They say uh, among the civil rights lawsuits filed against Alvarado uh, is a 2016 suit that 
claimed he grabbed the 14-year-old Hispanic boy and slammed his head against concrete while allegedly threatening to have him and his family deported. Another included a Honduran native claiming Alvarado and three other deputies beat him and stole more than $2,000 from him during a traffic stop. Uh, Both of those cases were settled in court. But, of course, you know, it didn't come out of the officer's pension fund. The citizens of Louisiana, you know, New Orleans had to pay that. And it says the ACLU of Louisiana issued a statement saying that the sheriff's office continued employment of Alvarado despite despite its history of excessive force claims as part of a troubling pattern. And they also said uh, the ACLU's legal director went on to say in a tweet, we're talking about a police agency that is fully on notice that is employing officers who engage in this type of conduct and yet knowingly and willfully turns a blind eye to that conduct. And we can we can read thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of articles just like this. This is going on all over the country that, you know, as the old saying goes, who will guard the guards? You know, when you who watches the when watchers. you right, who will watch the watchers? So we're talking about, again, this classroom where you say they're, you know, future legislators, they're future cops in there. And. People are going to be growing up with all kinds of hatred in their heart, and when you give them, you authorize them to use lethal force, they can take a person's freedom, they can take a person's civil liberties without re, without any type of uh, punishment coming to them. And this isn't the first time that a claim has been brought against this officer. Nothing was done to him. They said this is his ninth suit, so that means eight other times. He allegedly did something. We know at least two of them have settled. Maybe the others are still pending. But this goes on so much, and this is part of the problem. So uh, I turn it back over to you, Max, if you're ready with that story. Yeah, I have most of it available. Uh, Apparently, there is this county in Tennessee, and we talked a little bit about it last week where Mm -hmm. they have what appears to be to me, based on research I've been doing, Kids for Cash scandal. And for those that don't know, Kids for Cash was uh, occurred, I believe it was 2009, in Pennsylvania, when it was discovered that two judges were getting kickbacks for having children go directly to a for-profit private detention center. And so it came to the point where over 5,000 children have been incarcerated for crimes that didn't even exist, like throwing steak at your stepfather or writing on your desk or insulting the vice principal. Uh, They didn't get any lawyers. They wouldn't get any uh, trials. They would just be sentenced and sent to these damn facilities. And the judges were getting millions of dollars back for doing it because apparently – it was costing somewhere – it was like New York. It was costing like $240,000, $250,000 a year per child per bed. So for every bed that mm-hmm. I filled, it's another quarter million. At the end of the story, they made nearly a billion dollars in revenue generated through these children's freedom being stolen. And the uh, company, Merkel, was fined $80 million. The two judges uh, uh, pled guilty – one was given 28 years, other was given 17 years. 
during the COVID period, they let the one that was doing 17 years out. So he hasn't even done half of that. <laughs> and they let him out because of concerns for his in prison with COVID. Uh, so that's the kids for cash scandal. I mean, if you make a billion dollars and you have to give back 80 million, you didn't have a bad day. Not, nope, not at all. That's, it, that's how it works. Uh, you know, right. it's, it's better to seek forgiveness than ask permission, especially if you're not going to prison and all you got to do is give the state a cut of what you made uh, at the cost of all these children's lives. So in um, Tennessee, there's a judge by the name of Judge Donna Scott Davenport who has been mm-hmm. incarcerating children over there for a very long time. I, I believe they mentioned that this has been going on there for decades, according to the ProPublica report. Um, And the state's rate of incarceration for children at the age they're incarcerating them is 5%. But in this county in Tennessee, uh, Murfreesboro County, uh, the incarceration rate is 48%. She's on record, on a video, talking about how one time I had to incarcerate a seven-year-old, and that broke my heart. But eight and nine years old are very common nowadays. Eight and nine years old are very common to be incarcerated, to be arrested for a crime and incarcerated. This is what this white judge is doing over there to predominantly black children. I believe it's over 95% of them are black children that she is doing this to. They had a lawsuit back in 2015 where they arrested 11 children on crimes that didn't even exist. There was a, I can't even call it a fight. There was these two boys, five and six years old, who threw a couple of uh, feeble punches at a larger boy as he walked away. That's what the video shows. Just a couple of little boys, five and six years old, throwing punches. And they ended up arresting 11 children, 8, 9, 5, 6 years old, for not doing anything when that happened. That's not a crime. <laughs> oh, my God. So they ended up uh, being sued, and I believe they've got uh, $11 million set aside right now. And they're looking mm. for the victims and the victims' families who have been incarcerated, these children, so each one for each incident is a uh, can get up to $5,000 for each incident. And they've got $11 million put aside. The problem is, how the hell do you not know what babies you locked up? Like, how, how is that a thing that you don't have a record of the family and the children that you stopped, uh, incarcerated, and charged with a crime when they were only seven, eight, and nine years old? You said, you know, Max, uh, it, it it disgusts me because it's happening out in the open. Like, they're no longer even just hiding what they're doing. Like, everything is done right out in the open. And yet, there are still people that will say, well, that's not slavery. You know, as if this isn't still, you know, the only difference is, is that it's not happening at a slave auction. You know, but we're still seeing all the elements of what went on. 
every single day. So instead of it just being private individuals, the state is doing it. And they're doing it right out in the open. The children being ripped from their parents. You're talking seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds. You know, where kids are just kids. You know, they haven't even, they don't know what they're doing, you know. It's it's not the kids that don't know what they're doing. It's the damn police, apparently. Because, you know, just watching a almost fight is not a crime. But even even if it was, so in, in the courts, they have a thing that's called mens rea. And that means that you have to have, like, a consciousness of knowing what, what you're doing is wrong. And this is one of the reasons why they separate someone being charged as a juvenile and someone being charged as an adult. Because they say, okay, this child at that age does not have the mens rea to, to hold them under the same standard that you would an adult. But yet, here we're talking about some of the most, I mean, childish things. You know, uh, one, you remember the, the, the young girl who was arrested for not doing her homework? You know, we mentioned that sometime in the past. I mean, things like things that children do all over the place. I mean, I've, you know, I've not done my homework. Heck, I've, you know, probably every kid has done this, but I remember signing my mother's name on something one time, you know. Or, you know, you, you, you put gum in somebody's hair. Or, you know, you, 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 you put a, a sign on someone's back that says, kick me. You know, all the little childish things that go on in school. But now you're talking about just watching, and you said it wasn't even a fight. You know, I guess they just had, you know, some words with each other, and maybe they kind of, like, pushed each other a little bit. And you're going to tell me, not the ones who were actually doing it, the ones who were actually standing there watching, that you're going to say that that's a crime? Like, what country do we live in, Max? What country do we live in? Um, Slavery country? (laughs) Where slavery is legal, (laughs) like it's always been? Uh, you know, there's a we we got to wrap it up because we're running tw- towards the end of the program. Oh but I did want to get a, a little bit of information out there further for this because I didn't get it last week. But there's an interview that was done by the person that had done the uh, investigation, Maribel Knight, and she said on NPR that the Tennessee Department of Children's Services licenses juvenile jails and it inspected Rutherford County Jail every year and not once. Did it flag this illegal policy for detaining children? Also, the annual state report that revealed what an outlier in Rutherford County, County was and how many kids it was locking up is no longer published. It hasn't been since 2014. And what that means is that we have no idea what is happening in juvenile courts across the state. How many kids are being locked up and for what? And Rutherford County is just one of 98 courts in Tennessee. Now, there was a flurry of low lawsuits. So we got to crack the door open into this one. But there are 97 others. This is something that's happening all across America. It's the school and prison pipeline. The children are worth nothing to them until they do something allegedly wrong where they incarcerate them. And then suddenly they're worth a quarter of a million dollars annually. Wow. Wow. 
How could you not be frustrated behind that? Yeah, it's terrible. I hope that they dig deeper and start connecting the dots in the same way they did with the Pennsylvania kids with cash scandal. This needs to be prosecuted. And this judge, Donna Scott Davenport, uh, she needs to spend some time in prison for what she's been doing to people's children. Absolutely. Just like those Pennsylvania judges. Give them just the like time. Pennsylvania judge. And keep them in there during COVID. There's other people you right. can let out. They've been in there 95 years, you know, and have never done any political prisoners and the wrongfully incarcerated instead of a damn judge who used children in a slave trade making millions of dollars. That, that blew my mind when I found out he walked free like that. It blew my right. mind. Anyway, this has been our next to last show, and it has been powerful. I'm sure you agree. Uh, shout out to Florida, to Representative Diana Hart, to uh, Tops, and also to my brother, Pastor Kenny Sharp, uh, Sharpton, Glasgow. He'll be here with us next week. And shout out to our listeners and supporters who, who continue to uh, be here learning with us and doing something about this crime against humanity one way or another. And uh, as always, man, thank you, Yusuf. This been, I'm glad, I, man, you did this year and the last one side by side because, boy, did we get yes, to sir. see some spikes and do some things. Yes, we did. Yes, we did, man. Yes, we did. You know, it's, if we'd known so you great. all were going to be this much trouble, we would have picked our own fucking cotton. <laughs> well, listen, lady, you know, we got to do what we got to do. You know, I'm glad you listened, though. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're up on our time, Max. It's it's uh, it, it was a great show. You You put together some tremendous tracks. So I definitely applaud you for that. You did a great job producing tonight's show. Uh they like close out. Hey, listen. Uh we just want to uh thank our sponsors, Jailhouse Lawyer Speak, the I Am We Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network, Sama Urge, Quakers Uplifting Racial Justice, the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, Prismatic Dreams, and the Black Talk Radio Network. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash abolition today. That page will contain all the news, information, and music you hear on the program. Abolition Today is also available on all major podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and uh, Stitcher. And we're also simulcast on the Black Talk Radio Network. Also remember to join the movement at abolishslavery.us and endtheexception.com to become part of the solution. So getting to our final segment this evening, our Bridging the Gap segment, we have Henry Highland Garnett. It's his uh, 1843 speech to, to U.S. slaves. This is part four. It's called Hear and Read the Call to Rebellion. And that's going to be followed by Start a Riot by Duckworth and Shabuzi. We'll be back next Sunday, October 31st, with another masterclass on slavery abolition. Thank you again to all of our listeners, to all of our callers. Until next week, think about abolition today. Peace and blessings be upon you all. Peace. Abolition. Abolition. In 1822, Denmark Vesey of South Carolina 
formed a plan for the liberation of his fellow man. In the whole history of human efforts to overthrow slavery, a more complicated and tremendous plan was never formed. He was betrayed by the treachery of his own people and died a martyr to freedom. Many a brave hero fell, but history, faithful to her high trust, will transcribe his name on the same monument with Moses, Hampton, Tell, Bruce and Wallace, to San Louverture, Lafayette and Washington. That tremendous movement shook the whole empire of slavery. The guilty soul thieves were overwhelmed with fear. It is a matter of fact that at that time, and in consequence of the threatened revolution, the slave states talked strongly of emancipation. But they blew but one blast of the trumpet of freedom and then laid it aside. As these men became quiet, the slaveholders ceased to talk about emancipation. And now behold your condition today. Angels sigh over it, and humanity has long since exhausted her tears in weeping on your account. The patriotic Nathaniel Turner followed Denmark Vesey. He was goaded to desperation by wrong and injustice. By despotism, his name has been recorded on the list of infamy, and future generations will remember him among the noble and brave. Next arose the immortal Joseph Sinke, the hero of the Amistad. He was a native African, and by the help of God, he emancipated a whole shipload of his fellow man on the high seas, and he now sings of liberty on the sunny hills of Africa and beneath his native palm trees, where he hears the lion roar and feels himself as free as that king of the forest. Next arose Madison Washington, that bright star of freedom, and took his station in the constellation of true heroism. He was a slave on board the brig Creole of Richmond, bound to New Orleans, that great slave mart, with a hundred and four others. Nineteen struck for liberty or death, but one life was taken, and the whole were emancipated and the vessel was carried into Nassau, New Providence. Noble men, those who have fallen in freedom's conflict, their memories will be cherished by the true-hearted and the God-fearing in all future generations. Those who are living, their names are surrounded by a halo of glory. Brethren, arise, arise! Strike for your lives and liberties! Now is the day and the hour. Let every slave throughout the land do this, and the days of slavery are numbered. You cannot be more oppressed than you have been. You cannot suffer greater cruelties than you have already. Rather die freemen than live to be slaves. Remember that you are three millions. It is in your power so to torment the God-cursed slaveholders, that they will be glad to let you go free. If the scale was turned, and black men were the masters, and white men the slaves, every destructive agent and element would be employed to lay the oppressor low. Danger and death would hang over their heads day and night. Yes, the tyrants would meet with plagues more terrible than those of Pharaoh. But you are a patient people. You act as though you were made for the special use of these devils. 
you act as though your daughters were born to pamper the lusts of your masters and overseers. And worse than all, you tamely submit, while your lords tear your wives from your embraces and defile them before your eyes. In the name of God, we ask, Are you man? Where is the blood of your fathers? Has it all run out of your veins? Awake! Awake! Millions of voices are calling you. Your dead fathers speak to you from their graves. Heaven, as with a voice of thunder, calls on you to arise from the dust. Let your motto be resistance. Resistance! Resistance! No oppressed people have ever secured their liberty without resistance. What kind of resistance you had better make, you must decide by the circumstances that surround you, and according to the suggestion of expediency. Brethren, adieu! Trust in the living God, labor for the peace of the human race, and remember that you are three million. Bang. I'm shooting webs like worldwide. Man had an auto way to Yonkers. When it say Brooklyn, stand up. You better just fix your posture. And every hero needs this theme song. So who in here trucks? You ain't got a chance, boy. What you think? I'm doing everything but the kitchen sink. I try to be feeling in the neighborhood. I know all the little grannies want to sip they tea. And here you come all barging in. All ugly like a brown fur cardigan. We can keep that monologue and arguing. I'm like, who in here trying to start fighting?
Max Partners, one more again before we finish off. If you like what we're doing and you want to help support us, you can make a donation to our cash app at dollar sign abolition CTR with a capital C and a capital A. That's abolition CTR. We also have the PayPal, which is abolitionist center at gmail.com. And lastly, we all, you can always mail us something, even if it's just books about the abolitionist movement. That's 1163 Furman Drive, Sumter, South Carolina, 29154. That's the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center. Until next week, peace.